0: Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church podcast. With multiple campuses existing within southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church.
1: Good morning. It's good, uh, good to be together today. Uh, how many of you guys have complained all week about the time change? Right? Everybody's, everybody's complaining like at five o'clock, oh, I can't believe it's dark, does this every uh, single year. We're, we're in this series and we've been uh, focusing on this um, for the entire fall. Before I get started, I do wanna uh, stop um, and to express my gratitude um, to the men and women and the families who serve uh, in our military. And so we just wanna take a moment if you were, um, to thank you. You know, it's always a great time of year. We're fortunate. We're close by. We have a lot of folks who travel in, a lot of Marines who come in from uh, Camp Lejeune. And, and so we get to meet, um, you know, pretty much, pretty frequently. And uh, every time, you know, I ask, I'm just like, oh, thank you so much. Um, and this is a weekend uh, to remind us, you know, especially if you watch sports, and see all this, the stories of the sacrifice that uh, not only the men and women who are in uh, our military, but their families um, as well. So it's just, a, it's, you know, we're just so grateful um, to be in a country um, where we get to do these kinds of things. We'll see that in just a little bit uh, in our time today that every part of the world isn't the way that we experience it. So we'll talk more about that in just a minute. So I just wanted to say thank you. Um, we're talking about our mission to reach people and help them walk with God. And specifically this idea of what it means or what is required of us to reach or what it would look like if that were to happen. And for, for a long part of my own personal, right, uh, um, journey in the church, that reach always meant the church got bigger. Um, even when I talk to churches and pastors and whatever, when people talk about church growth, they're usually talking about the church getting bigger. And that's um, not what we're trying to do. Uh, I, I'm not, It's not what we're trying to do at all. Um, the way we think about reach is it's a measure of our heart. It's a measure of what we are willing to care about, what we're willing to extend ourselves to, what we're willing to give ourselves to, and then to begin to ask the questions, what is required of us um, in order to, to do that? And we've mentioned sort of three things, and I, I'm, I believe this, and I'm just inviting you to believe this, that who we are as a people uh, is more important than all of our strategies, um, that, that we actually become a kind of community, a kind of people, whereas people enter into this place, they experience something and see something and sense something that is distinct and different from everything else that they encounter um, in the world. And we've been talking about specifically this idea of care, um, that we would trust enough or uh, be brave enough to be known, that we would connect with one another, that we would trust enough to enter those places. And then we've been talking about the last few weeks, this idea of goodness, and last week, we talked about <clears throat> what is it that goodness, where does it come from? What is the source of our goodness? Um, my personal conviction and the way I process things in the Bible is when I read something, I just write it down. And I remember years ago, I just, you know, it's been uh, 15, maybe 20 years. In First John chapter 4, there's this little phrase, and it simply says that God is love. And it sounds trite and it sounds of course, but there's there's something to this. So I wrote it down and just began to think about it, look at it, see it. And what I've come to believe is that the expression of God's love is His goodness. And we have to ask ourselves, what does goodness look like? Um, I read my Bible, I try to read it every day, uh, not just because I have messages, not just, it's not just like a book report every week on this, um, but I, I, I want to enter in, to learn, to see, to seek, to ask, to knock. And so this is a verse that maybe many of you are familiar. With, so just gonna, we're gonna just read some, Bible, read some passage in the Bible today and just kind of enter in. We're gonna um, see a story and then um, kind of wrestle with it in our own, in our own selves and together. So from now on, uh, sorry, for the Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore we all have died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view that we once regarded Christ in this way. We we uh, we, We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone, a new creation has come, and the new is here. All of this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and that he has committed us to this message of reconciliation. Do you all see a theme here? We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us on Christ's behalf. We implore you, be reconciled to God. So, you know, I, I, I look at this and, and the word that keeps jumping out. And I think this is something we need to pay attention to is that somehow the result or the vision of God's goodness in the world, the expression of God's goodness would look like reconciliation, would look like this. So I just wrote the word down on the top of my journal. It's just been sitting there for about a month and a half. So, What do we do with this? What does this mean for us? You know, obviously we have a lot of things that start to run through our mind when you just think about this, depending on where you come from, what you watch, what news you watch, what you read, all those things. But we're talking about goodness as something very specific when we we talk about the definition. We're saying this, goodness is the fruit that comes when God's love overflows in our lives. We're not trying to be good people. We're trying to bear God's image. And in bearing his image, this is what results. That's, that's, that's the way it's supposed to work. Encounter, formation, expression. Right? Remember this, if you've not, I've been around. One of the things that I've noticed as I read the Bible is, and again, I grew up um, where basically you should behave. And if you don't behave, you deserve all the bad things that you get. Anybody like, grew up like that? That's that's the way the world ought to work, right? Um, That's actually called karma, which is what happens when there is no grace. So what God has come to do is something fundamentally different. And I remember wrestling with this in my own heart because when I say God is love, it feels warm and squishy and good. And then I read Jesus and Jesus seems to make a big deal about love like it's really important. And I would always say, yeah, 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 but we need truth and we need this and we need wrath and we need justice and all those things. And Jesus just keeps coming back to love. And so as I've learned to read the Bible, and this is, this is a part of the process by which we are formed and forged into his image personally and also collectively. I've learned to read the Bible in pursuing the way of Jesus, which is a different way to read the Bible. You can read the Bible to extract principles to apply to your lives and make your life work, or you can read the Bible to pursue the way of Jesus. And we're trying to read the Bible to say, God, what does it look like for us to live under the rule of your love? And I've been struck by how much Jesus relentlessly overemphasizes love much to my chagrin, <laughs> right? I went like, when he was taught to his disciples, he said the very Mark, John 13, 35, they will know that you are my followers by your, any guesses, by your love. When he was asked what his favorite Bible verse was, hey Jesus, what's the greatest command? what did he say? Oh, I would have had a list. I would have had some doozies. And it would have been all the things that you do <laughs> that I'm already good at. He said, the greatest command is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. His answer was love. James emphasizes this. Paul emphasizes this. It's throughout. Paul would go so far to say that if you speak with the eloquence of angels, but do not have love, you're a noisy gong. If you give all of your possessions to the poor, but you have not love, if you do all of these things, but the motive, the root isn't some kind of image bearing goodness in the world, it just doesn't seem to matter. And so you and I have to wrestle with this. We have to wrestle with this. So the question is, what is it that this kind of goodness would look like in the world? What would it be like if there, and by reconciliation, what I mean is return to original goodness, that everything is rightly related to everything else. We're We're going to kind of wrap this up next week, but that everything is rightly related to everything else. The thing that bothers me about Jesus when he talks is he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. I don't know if you've gotten to a place where God's done some really formative work in your life and you're very comfortable with it. You're like, man, I'm glad. You know, I, one of the things that I suspect most people want God to change them enough not to be annoying to other people. Right. It's like, Lord, help me to stop doing this. And then once that works, you're like, you're good. Don't know more. And Jesus just keeps pushing and, and the Sermon on the Mount is one of these places where he just keeps pushing. You have heard it said, here's one principle, but let me add this to it. You have heard it said, hey, you're not supposed to kill, but I'm adding in this measure of anger or rage or malice or contempt to another person. Now, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. Don't just like, th- th- just create these physical boundaries, but I'm adding it into your mind and the way you think and see other people. At the very end of this, he says this. And he uses, talks about our words. He talks about all this in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter five, verse 43, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. Now, at some point, listen, I get it. It's complex, it's hard. Those Democrats or those Republicans, right, I get it. At some point, we have to decide what we believe about what Jesus is calling us to. How is it that he, what, you've heard it said, hey, those people who are against you, you hate them, right? You, you keep them at bay, but I'm telling you there's a different way. And then here's why. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? What big deal is that? Everybody does that. And that's exactly what he says next, right? Are, you, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you only greet people, your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Everybody does that. But there's a the distinctiveness to giving ourselves, to offering ourselves. When Jesus was asked about the neighbor, right? The question wasn't, who is my neighbor? He asked, and flipped and presented a different question in the Good Samaritan. He said, who are we willing to make our neighbor? Who are you and I willing to involve and to make our neighbors? And this is exactly what this begins to get to. So the question I want for us to consider is what kind of person, what kind of person would you have to become, would I have to become to be the kind of people for whom this kind of goodness is a way of life. For whom this kind of goodness is a way of life. What is it that drives us? And then what does it drive us to do? What is it that drives you? And what, is it, uh, what does it drive you to do? I want to read this passage one more time. And so we're going to read it together. It'll be on the screen. Second Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for the one who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, We regard no one from a worldly point of view. So from now on, right, this this whole idea affects what it is that we see. So think about this, right? This is sort of us. And if you've been playing along, you'll notice that I did something very different, didn't I? From from now on, we no longer regard regard other people from this worldly point of view, but something else has to happen. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this same service, the same offering, the same ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us this very message of reconciliation. He has settled the relationship between us and him, and is inviting us to participate in that same work in the world. Verse 20, Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The point of this is that there is no reconciliation among us without first being reconciled and restored to our relationship with God. So don't don't miss that. Over the years, we've had a pretty profound partnership in India. India is one of the most persecuted nations uh, in the world. It is becoming more so. We were there a few years ago. I was there a few years ago as it was starting to tick in that direction. Um, Being there and feeling this firsthand and seeing this is is incredibly and profoundly um, humbling to to see how people live and what they do and the way they offer themselves for what the church um, could be in a very, very harsh place. And the communication in some places, some of these villages are really, really far out. And the way these stories come together, there's uh, one of our partners, I can't mention them publicly at this point in time, um, but they are uh, there and spread out throughout India. And we were talking about, uh, about a month, two months ago about some of this, and they had stumbled and said, man, there was this story we found and we've recorded it. And so I want for you guys to see it. So I want you to turn your attention to...
2: The screens. pair <laughs>
3: In 2018, Unga Markhani became the first person in his village to follow Jesus. That decision put a target on his back and kicked off a campaign of hate and terror against Unga that would stretch on for years.
0: I मारला लात बिदा मारला मारी मारी हमके जाति कर देखला हरि आ रमोला हरि मारला सोबो बेला हमके ताड़ो ना क ना की बस्ता Senti.
3: And yet, Unga, his daughter Massey, and his son Somaru stood firm. Their home became a church, and I, I was their pastor. Unga's son Somaru helped lead our prayer meetings and worship. Somru even dreamed of becoming a pastor himself, and openly prayed that one day, God would use him to lead the whole village to
0: Christ. I was born, de I was born, I was born,
3: Somaru's mission went unfulfilled because tragedy struck. It was after midnight, the end of a long festival day in the village. A day that for many had been filled with religious fervour and locally brewed liquor. A group of men arrived at Ungas' door to silence the Christian traitors once and for all. But both Unga and I were not in the village that night, and Young Somaru was home alone.
0: Terkebele, ratir neigola, neigoris se marla, suri soi to sabu marla, iti bekati dela mundku pakhna soi to marla, anti marla gya, zen marla, baod khandila. We were कांदेलु happy Sintare be Jangalre We were here in the jungle.
3: Somaru was gone. A son, a brother, now a at age 14.
2: We अटोर किंग ता मु धांगुर कास के मान द इले के वास में का ना उनका तिरस कर जन हां आज दल कास आस्ता गद नु गाए सरगद नु गाए जना नाला छटा मा दस बेला के नितितानी चरतारण बात में ओनले परिवर्तन ना
3: Unga and Massey were devastated. But they chose to respond to this unspeakable evil with the love of Christ. Starting with a woman named Bime, the wife of the man who murdered Somaru.
2: जिके समाधान के लिए कहते हैं और कहते हैं कि नाटेन the उड़ सीता उड़ बात की सीता ने ये गिंदा बढ़ दस्ते बात गाड़ी तक तो असत्ता न तक नागा टी दुखो आता दुखो
3: बीमे वाज़ अलोन एंड
2: bhum ka ba mo gad ka ba mo pila man na sarbu wad ka mi bega ba be sirinda what you us ko
3: ashamed and with nowhere else to turn she found herself at unga's doorstep pleading for help
0: the
2: acceptance
3: Bime found in Unga's home had a profound impact on her. Overwhelmed by their kindness, Bime and her family decided to follow Jesus. They now belong to the church that meets in Unga's house. And today, still in jail, her husband is a follower of Jesus too. He has repented for his horrible actions and he accepted the consequences. He encourages Bime and their entire family to trust in Jesus. And he now attends a small Sunday fellowship that meets in the jail. When asked how he could open his home and his heart to the family of the man who killed his son, Unga's answer is simple. Christ's love compels me.
0: इदे पर्वन देसे पुत्तमयो अदेन मे दमक बडा शांति manalto न मनल तो धुरम की नदियो पुरा नदियो आन बारे किके मनकि पर्व के तगत निमा विनबात पूर्ति बात मनकि मस्तरन परिवार काइलिमिका मने नरगे
3: The word spread, and as people began to see what was transpiring between these two families, they were drawn in. Our church has grown from three families to 16, with more people coming every month. We have outgrown Unga's house, and today we are constructing a church building, the first in the village.
2: Recently,
3: Bime's entire family was baptized, along with eighty-five others from the surrounding area. And more than half of these people can trace their own faith stories. Back to this one.
2: Let to return with a novel and ordinance. I put a word on after adding wedding. Chatter pastel, that's your partner. Married adding wedding board, but don't you? But as Marie Maton and Povon Java as Marie Maton and at Punununs. Christ
3: overcame evil with good. He calls us to do the same. Can you imagine a world where this kind of reconciliation is common? And the profound impact it could have? In one small village in India, two families, connected by tragedy, reconciled through Christ, are showing us the way.
1: We wanted you to experience this um, for a couple reasons. Uh, one is to recognize, you know, the work uh, that is happening all around the world, and the complexity of it, and the cost of it. And not only is it that way, you know, as we kind of sort of circle back into us, you know, what is it that's required of you and I to be and to bear this kind of goodness, to see things differently? One of the things that's really, you know, compelling to me, when we read this passage, it says that it is God's Christ's love that compels us. And when I think about that, in order for Christ's love to compel us, right, we have to encounter His love as well. We have, this has to be our first response. We're not gonna understand the complexities and the the depth and the the way and a lot of the things we're facing as a culture, as our world, even as our own local community. Without this, but I try to imagine what it would be like when people run into these kinds of hardships. That their first response is, I wonder if those people who follow Jesus might be available, might be able to help, if if we were seen as this kind of place. One of the things that struck me as I watched uh, this story was when um, his sister said, he talked about how much her brother longed for transformation. And when this devastation happened, it says she thought that we should try and face these challenges and hardships for the Lord. I just think about what it would be like, what it is for me, maybe what it would be for you to do the same with our own. The things that we wrestle with, the things that we struggle with, rather than using them to give up. What if we use them for, towards? What if we encountered his love in a way? Could we encounter in such a way that we were compelled by that same love to the world? I want to close with um, kind of a song, a declaration, a prayer. Before I do, um, I want to just read. We've been reading from uh, Rick Schaefer's book that we gave out a few weeks ago, Companion Planted. And I think this is such a powerful picture for us. It says, we have been rescued and resettled. All things have been made new. And gradually newness will become Familiarity as we adapt to the way of Jesus. I can assure you that a lot of the things that I'm wrestling with are becoming more normal today than they were 10 years ago. I'm a slow learner. As we adapt to the way of Jesus, we we are a wholly called out, set apart, distinct people. But we are not a removed people nor are we superior. We share with every person our humanity, God's image, dignity, common grace, and creation. We remain here in the world. We live here as exiles. We belong to another, right? Another rule, another realm, beneficial exiles. The apostle Paul calls us ambassadors, ambassadors of another way. We no longer buy into the systems, the structures, and the patterns of this world. We may have to operate within them, but as a set-apart people, we hold to the patterns of God's kingdom. What might they be like for us, for you and for me? How does it affect the way in which we enter in and perceive and participate uh, in the world around us? What might be required of us to become the kind of people for whom this kind of goodness was a way of life? The message is clear. We are a new people ushered into a new way. This is really hard work. And it's not hard in the way we think of hard. It's hard in the sense of what we are willing to allow God to do in us, what we are willing to allow him to touch or to form or to shape. And I also would add to that, it's what we are willing to allow him to do within the relationships that we share with one another as we become this kind of people um, in the world. I believe that with everything that's going on around us, where it feels like the wheels are coming off in so many areas, I have more hope today in what is possible and what is available for us than probably in the last 23 years that I've been a part of this church. And the reason isn't because I figured it out. The reason is because I believe there's a willingness in my own heart and I believe in our heart for God to do the kind of work that needs to be done for us to be the kind of church that he's created us to be. It is the love of God that compels us. It is the love of God that makes his intention to reconcile and to redeem every part of this really, really difficult world in which we live. And he has commissioned us to be agents and ambassadors uh, in this redemptive activity that gets to happen all the time. It's it's an extraordinarily powerful way um, to begin to live. So I invite you to stand and all of our campuses. <clears throat> and for this to happen, there's gonna have to be some things that get shifted in our own lives, things that we have long depended on and thought would be the solution. We're gonna have to recognize that, yeah, we still may have to like, deal with it and participate in it, but it's not going to be what we thought it was. There's gonna be some tables that Jesus is gonna have to overturn in our lives because he's calling for us to return to a way of life for which we, all of us, have been created and designed to live. So I wanna just read this. These are the first lines of the psalm we're gonna to declare together as we work to sort of offer ourselves to re-surrender. You're turning over tables and calling for us to return, to live our lives upon this altar in the way that we did at first. You're clearing out this temple You're clearing out the dirt. For Lord, we are your territory. Lord, we are your church. We are your people, and you are our God. We are your temple, very dwelling place. Would you make us holy like you are? Father, as we just consecrate this moment, We're reminded of a lot of the blessings and benefits that we have in this country. The freedom from the kind of persecution that we observed earlier um, is due to the sacrifices of many men and women and families. We're grateful for that. We also recognize that somehow your sovereign hand is at play in this. and We've been entrusted with a great deal as a nation, but beyond that, we've been entrusted with a great deal as your people that far exceeds any responsibility we would have in this world, and that is to bear, to faithfully bear your image and to faithfully work for the redemptive purpose and promise that you intend in this world. So Father, would you take our lives and sift them and search them. There are probably those in this room who are not even sure what they believe about you. Would you just call them to yourself, remind them that you have created them for yourself. What they're looking for in all the other pursuits is you. So Father, we just together want to offer this um, as our prayer, as our hope, that we would resurrender ourselves to you, not only today in this service, in this time and space, but that it will be a recurring act and posture of our lives to depend and to trust and to yield and to respond to everything that you lead us and call us to do. We trust you. We trust you. And I ask all of the name of your son, Jesus, who is our King,